1: Greetings, this is Kurt Sumner, your host today for the NSPS podcast series, Surveyor Says. Tim Birch does this a lot of the time, and so you'll have a little different voice today, I guess, than you might other times. But nonetheless, welcome. I'm really pleased today to be talking with Jim Cohn. Many of the people who are listening to this broadcast will know Jim. Jim's been uh, sort of like me, a surveyor for 150 years or so, maybe. I don't know. It seems like it sometimes. But uh, we've both been in surveying a really long time, and and Jim has been a a vital part of NSPS leadership for a really long time as well, having done so in in his home state in Washington leading up to that. But it's, it's a great thing for NSPS, in my opinion, to have people who are willing to serve over a period of time and really have an understanding of how the operation works and what NSPS does and all of the things that go into making it successful. Now, that's not to say that we don't want and need new blood. We certainly do. Uh, but at the same time, it's good to have some folks as a part of that mixture who have that, that long-term experience in, in the organization or in organizations for surveying in general for that matter. So we're going to talk about that today and some of Jim's perspectives, but we're also going to talk about something that, He just did, and he'll fill us in on that. I called it the Great Motorcycle Ride of 2021. I had to date it because Jim does this on occasion. Apparently, he gets so uh, house-crazy, he has to just get out and go somewhere. So he hops on his motorcycle and goes for a few thousand miles or something. I'm not sure how how long the trip is. But, but Jim, welcome to the show. Uh, Glad to have you. Thank you for all you do to NSPS. and looking forward to hearing about the motorcycle trip.
2: Well, thank you Kurt. I uh I it's it's an honor to be here and uh I um I look forward to to talking with you and uh thanks for all the kind words. I appreciate that. My motorcycle trip, if you want to start with that, every year this goes back uh several years. As you know, I'm retired from the Army National Guard and uh when we started retiring myself and some friends of mine, the wives were saying that, well, what are we gonna do now that they won't be gone for two weeks? <laughs> and so we said, well, we could fix that. So we started doing uh going on trips and we've been on uh wilderness canoe trips and we've been on several motorcycle trips and uh over the years uh the people that I go with started uh dropping off saying well my time's up I'm not doing it anymore and so Long story short, I'm the last one standing. And uh, Rhonda, my wife, she, uh, she does not stop me. And the truth be told, I think she's just as happy to get rid of me as I am to go. <laughs> but uh, um, this last year, I did a trip uh, in total of 3,892 miles. And I went down the west coast of the United States through... Uh, here in Washington, Oregon, and into California, and I followed the coastal highway down till south of uh of uh, san francisco and Then I cut across the um, the Central Valley of California, and I ended up uh crossing death valley now that's that's something I've always wanted to do in my life I don't know why, but uh It was a bucket list thing for me. And um, so I can remember riding across uh, Death Valley, and I came up on a sign that said, Elevation, sea level. And I looked at the uh, thermostat on my uh, motorcycle at that time. It said 111 degrees Fahrenheit. So I just started going a little faster just to get out of there. (laughs) And I ended up uh, going all the way to... um, Colorado Springs, where I went up Pikes Peak on the uh, clog railroad that they had there because they weren't letting traffic go up there. They were having some weather at the top. But we went up on the railroad, which was just marvelous. And uh, after that, I just started working my way back home. And it was just an amazing ride. Got caught in some some, uh, rain and uh, didn't hit any snow, but I went over a pass that was over 12,000 feet high, Independence Pass, Colorado, and um, and there was snow every place but on the road, and it was just amazing. And what what uh, when you get up
1: in those elevations on that type of terrain, what kind of roads are we talking about? I mean, they're obviously just some kind of gravel path or something, or is it an actual trans- road that you can travel cars on?
2: Oh this was a two lane paved road. Oh wow. And it was it was really nice but if you looked at this route on a map it looked more like a polio germ than a road map. I mean it was <laughs> twisting and turning and and everything. So you couldn't make real good time and they had all kinds of warnings about not taking motorhomes over the pass and all that kind of stuff because they'd just get stuck. But it was uh it was a wonderful experience and uh I'm really glad that I did it and uh I'm already thinking about next year, maybe going up into Canada. So we'll stay tuned. We'll see how that works. (laughs) So were any of
1: those curvy roads like the ones that uh, I grew up around in the Blue Ridge Mountains, what we called
2: uh, 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 CYA curves? Yep. Those are are (laughs) the ones. Yes. Yeah. You know, you get up to 35 miles an hour and you're speeding, you know. (laughs) Then you got to stop and go down to 10 miles an hour to go around the curve. And there's a, there's some, you know, the, the coastal highway, California highway one was like that also, but you're right on the Pacific ocean and it's beautiful. So you don't want to speed, you know, you want, you enjoy it. And there's another highway going across, uh, California from the central Valley to death Valley highway 155, which was another one like that and through absolutely beautiful country, you know? And, uh, I plan my rides for a maximum of 300 miles every day just so I can stop and smell the roses and look at things and take my time, all that kind of stuff. So it was a wonderful trip. And of course, I'm always looking for monuments. And I found one on the Clog railway, an elevation of over 6,000 feet. I'll have to send you a picture of that. Yeah. (laughs) That's before we started climbing up Pikes Peak. So So
1: did you just camp out at nights or were there places to stay or
2: historically we we would camp when i was with people but i i i'm getting older i'm getting lazy or all of the above but uh, i stayed in motels every night this time
1: that's good they were available in some of the spots you went that i guess
2: took a little planning to make sure you got somewhere to stay right well that's that's the whole thing. All all winter long I plan this and I plan my routes and I put it into my GPS and all this and I tried to avoid uh interstates like the plague. I like the back roads and I like taking the old US highways. They're they're just oops, go through some beautiful stuff. And uh so I'm I'm uh I'm very fortunate to be able to do this and to live in a place where you know the western, as you know, the western United States is a beautiful country, and there's a lot of wilderness out here. And I'm also entertaining the fact of maybe sending my motorcycle back east and going down the Blue Ridge or something like that, because I know that that's incredibly beautiful too. So it's, we'll see how it a, goes.
1: It's a gorgeous place. Of course, I'm a little prejudiced with that since I grew up along the Parkway. Yeah. But, but it is a great ride. That no, no doubt about that. And. Uh, yeah. So now, I suppose maybe you've already had these conversations with some of your cohorts in NSPS, but surely there must be some more motorcycle riders who want to create a uh, a, a club to do this thing on a regular basis. I don't
2: know. You had any of those conversations? You know, I haven't. But that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's not. We could we could meet up someplace in particular, and um, and we could uh, just 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 ride around. I'm going to have to look into that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Maybe we put an article in the newsletter saying, "Foundation of a NSPS Motorcycle Club. Who's interested yeah. in
2: traveling? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we could make brown leather jackets and put on the back of them, born to raise heck because I'm too old to raise hell.
1: Yeah. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That would be perfect. Well, I'm I'm glad that you were able to to get the trip done. And now, are you? Are you planning on doing this on some regular basis here on out, or is it just as the?
2: Well, I retired in 2001 uh, from the Army National Guard the spring of 2001, and I've been doing it every year since. Oh, every year.
1: Okay. I knew you were doing it. I just hadn't realized it was every year.
2: Yeah. we, um, We started out doing wilderness canoe trips when we were younger and able to do that, and we've canoed across the Missouri River across Montana, and we've gone down the Green River in Utah, and just marvelous trips. But once we started getting too old and feeble to do that, then that's when we got into the motorcycling more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty good. That, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, people like surveyors. I think we're all alike to some degree. We just don't rest well. We've got to be doing something. And whether that's working every day or things like you're doing. And one of the things that, that you've done over time, which, which is, is laudable from my perspective, even before the retirement thing, or uh, it, it was all the courses that you taught and put together and share with people. Um, tell our listeners about that.
2: I, that's just uh, very, like I said, that's very laudable. Well, you know, I've often thought that uh, my surveying epitaph is going to say something to the effect of, well, he was a pretty good surveyor, but he was a very good teacher. (laughs) (laughs) And and, uh, I know that that sounds like egotistical, but uh, it's a real passion of mine. And um, surveying has done so much for me and has gone through, uh, I've done, you know from where i started to where i end where i am right now uh it's nothing short of divine intervention and i i really feel that i have to uh i i feel morally obligated to give back to the profession as much as i can and plus i really enjoy teaching and you know when you're out there you're teaching something and you look at your students or the people taking the seminar or all those classes that i taught when we were given uh Conferences, um, and you can see when a person gets something, and um, it's 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 really gratifying. As a matter of fact, I'm working part time for a company right now, in uh, here in the uh, Seattle area, and um, one of the owners of the company is a former student of mine.
1: Oh, wow. so
2: that that That's makes cool. it kind of neat. Yeah, that full circle. Great. Yeah, it's, so it's, uh, it, it, I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have had the opportunity to do that, and I, and I hope to continue doing it if anybody would like me to come talk. You know, <laughs> that's, that's about it.
1: Yeah, I had a, a situation years ago. Um, a young fellow who had worked for me when I was back in southwestern Virginia um, is really a good musician. And, you know, I have an interest in music and have limited talents, but he, he, this guy's really, really good. And so when I first sat down with a guitar again, after 40 years or 50, whatever it was at the time, um, I was talking to him one day and he was, he's wanting to help me and looking at equipment or anything I wanted to do. And he said, it's, it's the least I could do for you being my mentor. As I was coming along and surveying, and mm-hmm. I said, "Well, I appreciate that, however, I was sort of the 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 link because your dad was my mentor, and I was the huh. surveyor, so yeah. I'm just paying back what he gave to me and and yeah. to me, that's the essence of of what we do as a as a profession, not as individual oh. surveyors, of course, but as a profession. surveyors just like to help." Whether they're helping each other or they're helping other people or um, helping people learn like you're, you're doing or just whether it's helping our clients. I, that's one of the great things about it. And I like to, have to say that maybe that gene in me came from the fact that my dad was a minister and, and I wasn't going to do that. But I found something where I can still help people. And, and I think most surveyors have that mentality.
2: Oh, I, I agree. You know, I I really believe I, and I've said this all my all my professional life is that, you know, in some cases we may not be legally bound to uh, mentor people, but we certainly are ethically bound to. And, um, and 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 like you say, you know, I have I have a quick story to tell you about that if you have a minute. Sure. Um, I was at the uh, Willamette Stone, uh, you know, that's the, uh, the beginning of the uh, public land survey system for Washington Oregon, and I was there, and they have a nice little presentation there, and I was taking pictures of it and saying, you know, this is Mecca for, for the Washington surveyors, and then a father and his son came down, and his son was a Boy Scout. And the father asked me about it. Do you know anything about this? And I think he was very sorry. He said, that because I started, <laughs> <laughs> I started telling him. Couple <laughs> you know, hours later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and said every survey in the state of Washington and Oregon is tied directly or indirectly to that point, and then and then it went from there, you know. So yeah, after they started running up the hill away from me. <laughs>
1: in in my early exposure to that particular thing you're talking about um of course being a an easterner my pronunciation of certain thir- words was not the same as they are out out that way so i had to i think the exact words were were it's willamette
2: damn it yeah. Be-
1: because i was saying it a whole different way of course
2: <laughs> of course yes
0: yeah <laughs> but uh well as you
2: as you know, um, I'm originally from back east. I started my career in Maryland. And when I moved out west, I had to learn western, you know,
1: <laughs> western and, and speaking of motorcycles, your
2: trip to the west
1: was on a motorcycle,
2: right? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, actually, I got a jo- I started surveying in Maryland f- for uh-huh. Eldon Snyder and Associates in Gaithersburg. And I got a job offer in Alberta, Canada. And I've always wanted to come out West. And so I took the job and we came out West and we just, it's been out here ever since, you know, came back into the States. And, but no, I moved the whole family out. Um, that would be a nice motorcycle ride though. Yeah,
1: I it's would moving. think so. You see the the upper part of the country, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: But, but like it like you said,
1: uh, there's beautiful, beautiful countryside. And, and that whole stretch there just, above the, the Canadian border. I've driven a good part of that. It. Yeah. It's it's gorgeous.
2: Oh it is. You know, we we live in a incredibly beautiful landscape. I mean all of North America, I mean, it doesn't matter where you go, there's just beauty involved with it, you know? That's it's absolutely. all different.
1: So tell our listeners a little bit about your path to leadership in NSPS.
2: Well um I started out Um, in the late 90s, I can't remember the exact date, but it was when the ACSM had their conference in Baltimore. And that was the first time I attended a conference and taught. And then I started teaching for all of the ACSM conferences and the NSPS conferences up through San Diego. And i missed i only missed two conferences in that time i uh i was uh one was when my daughter got married and one was when i was having bypass surgery so i i used those excuses <laughs> <laughs> um and then um i became president of uh the land Surveyors association of washington the l s a w and the person who uh succeeded me. They asked me if I would become a director, or I believe at the time they were calling them governors wasn't isn't that what it was then yeah
1: yes it was
2: and and that was right around the uh transition time, so I, I said yeah i'd be glad to i'd be honored to and I have been a governor ever since or a director ever since, and uh i've been fortunate enough to uh get on some good committees, and I was just elected to um work with the XCOM, one of the directors on the XCOM, and uh and i'm really uh you know that's that's quite an honor to do that kind of stuff and i would like to be with it as long as i'm uh, as long as i'm valuable you know and uh i know that we all have to come to an end at a certain times especially you know i've got the same color hair as you and you know we got to get some young pups in here to also to take over these leadership things but uh, i still I still feel I have a few years left in me and i uh and I want to contribute and uh I'm like I say I work part time for a company, but I still have a lot of time that I can put my efforts towards this sort of thing and uh also I just became the chair of the western state directors council so i'm I'm involved in that as well and um so it's it, it it's a it's a good time to be to be a surveyor for me, to be involved with the professional organizations, and um, as far as work concerned, doing surveying, I am the uh, quality control manager for this company, and so I'm not dealing with clients, and I'm not dealing with uh, budgets and stuff like that, but I'm actually... Uh, working with the project managers and the surveyors and even the technicians, and uh, that goes actually it goes back to that teaching thing that I, we were just talking about. And it's and it's uh, I'm very fortunate to have the job and to to do it. And uh, you know I I I know that I've got to say goodbye to this at one time, but not right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, there are a number of us who are who are in that situation that. Our time will will end in the not too distant future in in terms of our participation, al- almost like full time. Of course, for me it is full time, but yeah. but for you guys it it is too in in a lot of ways. And uh, so I don't know if if you have any advice for for the young people that are coming along whether whether they're students or young surveyors getting involved in state societies. But you know, obviously, my perspective is when we can engage with other like professionals through our societies at whatever level that may be local state national international um, i think it's much more meaningful and i believe it makes us more well-rounded so that we we're not just focusing in on what's happening in our our location
2: yeah my advice would be to get involved get involved with your local organizations Get involved with the national organizations, regional organizations. Uh, get involved and this. I want to make sure that it's, it's understood that this isn't just for the professional. The technician needs to be involved as well. Just because you're not licensed doesn't mean you're not a surveyor. And it doesn't mean you're not valuable. And being involved in a professional organization does so many things for you. That, uh, that are intangible a prime example is uh, you know you you've been a business owner and I've been in uh, the management uh, parts and it's much easier to hire somebody you know than somebody you don't know and um, and I would also tell the technician to get some credentials behind them like the uh, certified surveying technician that will change your whole mindset from just a job to a profession, and uh, those credentials are always good to have because if you do go looking for a job, the employer can understand that you have a minimum competency because you're certified, and that's thats goes a long way so you you're gonna you're gonna get out of this profession what you put into it, and these professional organizations are are there for you and they're really very helpful
1: yeah i agree with you i think it's important uh whether it's cst or you know we had to have the hydrographer certification for folks in that arena Um, but yeah i agree that the more you can be involved with for lack of a better term like-minded people but also get exposure to other people at different levels within the profession, and when I say levels, I'm talking about time, experience, those kind of things. Um, certainly, it, it has a big impact on you. I, I, I recall when I first got involved in the society in Virginia a couple of centuries ago, it seems like, but maybe not quite that long. But it was very uplifting. Um, you know, I didn't nobody ever made me feel as though I wasn't worthy. Nobody ever made oh, yeah. me feel as though I shouldn't participate. And and we hope that when people get involved they will see that kind of synergy and those kinds of attitudes because when you sort of take people in and I won't say put them under your wing, but at least let them know that you, you care about what who they are and what they're trying to do, then you're just helping to build your next generation. So Oh yeah. Yeah. That's so important, I think, whether it's in societies or whether it's in education, like you thought about.
2: Oh yeah, no, I I, I agree a hundred percent. We uh, uh, um, that goes back to being the uh, morally obligated to help your fellow surveyor, and I'm so excited about these young I sur- Actually, I'm excited is not the word. In jealous is the word. <laughs> uh, yeah. With with all of the stuff that they have going on today, with you know the scanners and the Uh, robotic total stations, GPS and drones and on and on and on and on. These, you know, I've often told my students or anybody else that would listen to me um, that when I started surveying, I started surveying September of 68. And when I started surveying, it was closer to the way George Washington surveyed than the way we are today. And this, the stuff that they're doing is incredible, but they have to realize that they're just Tools. They need to understand the theory behind all this stuff. And um, that's why it's more and more important, I believe, now to uh, get some kind of education behind you. Because when you and I started surveying, we were playing surveys. You know, the, the earth was flattened and had square corners. You know, and, and we could we could go out there and we could say, I'm going to call this 10,000, 5,000 and go from there. But with the advent of GPS, we're all geodetic surveyors, whether we know it or not. And the more we know about that, the better off we're going to be because we're going to understand our measurements. And that's what we do. So, Being a a good Marylander,
1: uh, as (laughs) I am a Virginian, um, we don't want your your re-education going out west into square parcels undermine the fact that uh, we don't have any of those in our part of yeah. the world
2: <laughs> well actually we do in subdivisions we don't in open land. that's right yes yeah i remember that yeah you had meets and bounds then that can become let's say challenging
1: but so much fun you know it's like solving puzzles that's the whole thing yeah oh we got our puzzles too <laughs> yeah, people ad nauseum hear me talk about uh surveyors being puzzle workers and mind readers um, that those are two very important elements of your of your psyche to be a surveyor i think
2: oh yeah uh, and and you know the the one thing i think the biggest one of the big things that we need to do is and and i don't have an answer for this i see the problem but nobody knows what a surveyor does except a surveyor and I was when I was on my motorcycle trip. I was talking to a guy, and I told him I was a land surveyor, and he says, "Well, isn't that a dying profession with GPS and all?" And I said, "Oh, funny you should ask." Then he started leaving after that. After a while, too, (laughs) but I started explaining to him, and he said he had no comprehension of what we did, and um, you know, and that's easy to
1: understand, you know, that that people don't and. And that, that's okay if they don't, but we, that's, part of what, that's part of what we are about or should be about as a profession and as, and as associations to help people understand that significance and what it means, and not just to us, but what it means
2: to the country. And, you know, I think that's one of the real values of the NSPS is because we are so involved in doing that exact, that exact thing on the national level. And, you know, we you know, like we just had the virtual day on the hill and we've got JB for uh, for our, our lobbyist. And if anybody ever asked the question about what does NSPS do for me, I, I I say go to their website and just take a look at what the governor government affairs committee does. Nothing else. If you just look at that, you would be amazed. And, uh, you know, that's. That's value added. That's why we pay a couple dollars a year or a couple dollars, probably pay more at, at Starbucks than than our dues are, you know. But, and it's it's just, it's money well spent. So I, I
1: certainly appreciate everything you've done and, and being a part of the organization as long as you have. It's always good to have turnover, but it's also good to have people with a lot of experience in what we're doing to help the new ones that are coming along become the old ones as, yeah, as time yeah. goes on. Um, yeah. And 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 certainly I I praise everybody who gets involved in their association, whether it's a local chapter, or the state society, or the national society. Uh, all of those elements are really important. I mean, NSPS is important on a national scale, but if we didn't have that state and local support. Oh, yeah. That same message, then we wouldn't be nearly as effective as as we're able to be.
2: Yeah. And we're very fortunate in Washington is that we have some real key people uh, here. Like, uh, you know, uh, Pat Beeler and John Warren and uh, Pat, he likes local state government stuff, you know, and he's our man. I mean, he's our guy. We just we just go to him. And uh, John, he's just he's just into everything, you know, and and what he's doing with the pack and stuff like that. And uh, both of them, I'm I'm proud to say, and I'm thankful that they've been mentors of mine on some level. And uh, you know that uh, that's just something that we all gotta we all gotta pay back because we that can all a- talk about mentors.
1: You just brought up a really good point, by the way. We look at mentors as People we revere and and help us out sometimes I think the mistake people make is mentors are not always the old guy we learn a lot from everybody oh yeah yeah that's one great thing about surveying I think is I don't think we have a hierarchy so to speak everybody has something to contribute and we can learn from everybody
2: oh yeah a prime example I was talking to a technician uh, just last week and if you took a robot total station and put it in front of me, I would, I, w- I would be lost. I would have no idea how to do that. And so I asked him, "How are you getting this? How are you getting that?" And, and he was he was teaching me about it. You know.
1: Yeah. And but, it almost seems as though. In the younger generations, it's become intuitive, to them. You know, for us oh, yeah. old folks, we had to learn kicking and screaming almost.
2: But oh, yeah, for,
1: for their background and their education and what have you its in, it seems intuitive,
2: oh yeah, I agree, yeah, and uh you know they're uh but they're you know they're asking the questions of us on on a lot of stuff, and it's well it's it it just seems to be a uh a continual learning process, like we have mandatory education here in Washington, and I think that's great just just because. As you know, and as every surveyor knows, you never stop learning. You never. I mean, it's it's just going to go on forever because we can't we can't learn all of it. It's just too varied. So, well, you pick the stuff that you like to do, and hopefully you gravitate into that. And you know you. Uh, but it's it's been a wonderful profession for me, and I'm and like I said at the beginning of this, it it I got into it. I, and and I got to just i the way it's gone I got to say that it's divine intervention that's the only thing I can I can figure out because well, when I came back from Vietnam I was working in a 711 when I got hired as a surveyor I had no idea what it was you know and to go from there to here it's got to be some kind of divine intervention cuz I'm not that smart you know? yeah well
1: that's a really good point you bring up and I know we got to close out here shortly cuz we try to keep these around 30 minutes but but you're so right. It's one of the few professions where, if you have the intelligence and the aptitude and the willing to work, um, you can go from being at Seven Eleven to being a president of a state society or whatever. you just put in the time and the energy and the dedication. And there aren't a ton of professions where you do that, uh, the way you can in surveying.
2: That's true. That's true. But I, I also wanted. I, I want. I want to stress that. Um, education is becoming more and more critical i think for our for our profession and uh that's not to say that that technician out there that has no formal education can't succeed you know that's one of the reasons i wrote that book and i'm giving it out to everybody but um they they have to work at it you know they have to take the profession serious and they have to work at it and as you also know and all the professionals out there knows that a guy can be a technician his whole career and be indispensable, be just a, a godsend to the, to the, uh, professional. Cause every time they go out, they're carrying our stamp, you know?
1: Exactly. Well, thanks for joining me today, Jim. I've really had a great time talking with you and, uh, I guess we'll be seeing each other relatively soon since it looks as though we're going to get to do fall meetings in person
2: this year. So. Yeah. Look, looking forward to it. And it's been a real honor being part of this. Thank you, Kurt. Thank you, Jim, so much.
0: You've been listening to the Surveyor Says podcast brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com. And we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor.